welcome to Opening Presence, the podcast about creative self-realization. My name is Aaron Robinson. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, I sit down with Chan and Margot from Portland's very own Best Friend Juice Bar and Cafe, located at 2832 Southeast Gladstone Street. In this conversation, we discuss finding spiritual practice, gaining self-awareness through hardship, and building a business from the ground up with your significant other. If you enjoy this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. Now, without further ado, welcome to Opening Presence. Welcome to Opening Presence. My name is Aaron Robinson. Uh, I am very, very happy to have these two beautiful people on today. Um, I would like to introduce you, Margot and Chan of Best Friend Juice Bar and Cafe. I had to get the. To, I'm looking over at the at the sign. Hello. <laughs> How are you guys? That's just the business name. <laughs> yeah, the business name, and and you guys have many many other gifts, and creating health for for the city of Portland is is one of those things. I think uh, Margo and I bonded over become um, being healers. Um, there are always people who are mindlessly making things worse, and then there are people who are consciously trying to make things better. And we're we're healers, and we bonded over food and fruits and smoothies. <laughs> That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's it's nice to be able to offer healthy and nourishing options to the community and people of Portland. Hell yeah. So, I want to I do want to dive into Best Friend, but first I kind of want to give people like a background on like how Margot and I met because it was I think it was 2018. Mm-hmm at the Hoxton Hotel, and it was like a mental health uh, awareness, like self-care panel discussion uh, that was put on by Jason Sturgill, who illustrated your guys' logo, Mm -hmm. and uh, Lisa Congdon was there, uh, and my friend Steph Montoya was there, and it was actually the first time I had ever done any like public speaking uh, wow. on the on the topic of meditation and, and self-care and self-awareness. And I remember you were there and we met there and it, I have since like uh, gotten many juices uh, from from <laughs> your juice truck. And, and I, yeah, I just I just wanted to lead with that. And, and what do you remember from from those those times? And, and then we can dive into your guys's story. Yeah, sounds great. I was just talking about that day to Chan a few days ago, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really great to to attend that event. It was it was lovely that people got together to be able to offer that to the community. And I think it was a free event, too. And I really enjoyed hearing people's uh, perspectives on their own personal journeys with mental health. And um, it was cool to hear you speak because no one really ever talks about meditation in public. Mm. So 
I was really inspired and I made it a point to um, listen to everyone. I brought a couple friends too. I think it was on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it was. It was on Valentine's Day. Self-care event. It was really lovely. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah, I think Jason had invited me and I was just really, I think at that time, it was, it sounded perfect. Self-care, mental health awareness. I was like, this is exactly what I need. So I took the day off of work to come down and I made a point to stay after and introduce myself to you because it was, um, what you were talking about really resonated with Mm. me and Chan and our practices with, uh, Buddhism and, and just kind of sitting with self. Yeah, definitely. I think that's kind of like the launching off point because it's like referencing that event, but then also like wanting to dive into like what your personal practices are and when, when did, uh, self-reflection and contemplation uh come into your both each of your lives and and uh what that journey has been because everybody has different entry points when it comes to practice and then like once it becomes like a like a solid part of your life you're like oh like this is here to support me or for me to support myself so when when did the the practice uh come into each of your lives Mm, I was introduced to Buddhism by a friend from Singapore. Uh, his name was Song Sing Yap. I would say he was momentous in changing my life. Um, I, looking back now, you ask yourself, how many Buddhists do I know in my circle? And it's like one of the rarest type of Pokemons to collect. They're mm. so rare. <laughs> They're so rare. And um, he helped me. His father was really wealthy and like uh, he was studying to be a aerospace engineer. But somewhere along the way, I think he suffered heartbreak and he decided to move to Germany to salsa dance and Oh my god. <laughs> it was he was unlimited. He was just unbounded by it was his decisions were made from the gut. He committed himself to meditation every day. He was open about it and he had the courage to tell me what was right and what was wrong in a time where most Americans leave each other alone. Mm-hmm. Not that that's always good. We don't know who we should listen to. But Song Sing um, asked me to go on a winter trip with him to North Dakota. I didn't go, but then I always regretted it. And he always seemed to know more. And I think one night I got into a big fight with a housemate and he like, I hid in the basement and I tried to meditate because he told me to meditate. He says, you know, in times where you're really upset, try to meditate. And I was in the basement trying at it, and then I hear a sound coming down. Song Sing comes down from the second floor. I was like, how you know I was in here? He says, I could sense your meditation was sucking. <laughs> Let me give you some pointers. <laughs> I was like, damn, I, my energy was really weak back then. Wow. So, and it was guys like that and experiences like that it's just you don't find that anywhere like the everyone's thinking seems so like trite and common like so buddhism um after that i studied zen buddhism for years and all the issues that i was seeing around me like buddhism addressed all of it addressed Mm. all of it and for some reason 
most Americans I know, they don't want to get into it. You know, you ask them, do they meditate? A lot of times their answers are like, yeah, I lay down. I, I take a bath. I go on a run. You go on a run. <laughs> and it's like, no, you have to actually stop everything. I cheat a little bit. I listen to podcasts while I meditate. <laughs> but it helps me with uh, my job, which I have to talk to a lot of people. So, you know, it helps me. And I think that's my journey through Buddhism. We're both still trying to find like a nine-day silent retreat. Mm-hmm. Um, I would enjoy that. Margot finds that, you know, boring and dull. But uh, <laughs> I feel like I would go for maybe three or four days. But nine days is, is a trek yeah, for sure. That, I'm, I'm still like waiting to to have that opportunity to go because I, I want to go. Like I'm ready to, I think that's just part of like the path for me. And it's just like, oh, I can't wait to really like test myself. Margo, where did your practice start and where do you feel like it's at now? Um, I feel like my practice first started when I was in my um, teenage years. I had decided to go vegetarian um, and I was, I grew up Jewish. So like, eating kosher was real, was introduced at an early age for me. So when I went vegetarian, uh, my parents didn't really know how to cook for me, so I was kind of on my own. So I started doing a lot of my own cooking and creating my own meals, so I would stay nourished. Um, I think for me, the theme of Jewish guilt kind of inspires my uh, practice. (laughs) Uh, A lot of family carries, um, you know, different traits with them. So from an early age, um, I was kind of like the black sheep. And I didn't really get deep into practice until I moved out to Portland. And I was really interested in light working, um, but I didn't really know how to meditate. I had done yoga from a younger age, but the aspect of meditation was never really like inter- inter- introduced until mm-hmm. later on. It wasn't until I met Chan that I started to get really serious about Buddhism and practice. Um, and this is always really fun for me. It's um, about three years in is when I started to feel the the meditation kick in. Yeah, the cumulative effects. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it had taken a little bit of time, but that's how you know something is working. So I decided to stick with it and I feel like I consider myself a Jubu now. Jubu. Jubu. Or Buddhish. Coin that. (laughs) Buddhish. Buddhish. Um, Yeah, it's running a business... um, I think being okay with compromising and sacrificing a lot of aspects of Buddhism kind of intermingle with Mm. sacrificing and um, I think just sitting with self is is the best thing one can do, but it's the hardest thing that we can do too. Um, And three years ago, um, one of, I lost a loved one. So Mm. that really like, um, that really was a hard part, hard, hard, point for me. So, um, I decided to pursue, um, light worker training courses and, um, that kind of overlapped with, um, sitting with self has really helped me, um, in a lot of aspects of my life. Mm. Um, and now it's like, I can't, I can't wake up a day without sitting. It's like, it's very important. And 
just keeps me inspired, keeps me going and gives me time to process. Mm -hmm. Like Chan said, we talk to a lot of people in our day-to-day jobs. So I think having that practice really helps keep me grounded and helps me write new material um, for like the the woman that I want to be. Wow. Damn, that's a lot there. It's like (laughs) before we were talking about like deep listening and it's like, like that inspired me to, to like, yes, I want to talk about like, like kind of creating like the, the foundation of the person that we want to be like in every single day. It's like, what is like, what is Margot 20 years from now? Like, what is, what is she wearing? What is her thought patterns? What are her interests? And, and then I also wanted to go just back to like just Buddhism in itself and like how, uh, uh, like that's the kind of like the, the unscratched itch as far as like my own practice is, is that like the way that I teach or coach or inform other people about meditation, um, is based off a of personal experience, but then there's a limitation to, to what I can communicate. Cause it's just like, all right, like I'm just learning this as much and then I'm just like oh wait there's like this this ancient tradition that's basically like all these stories and all these techniques and practices that I can use to bolster uh my own story and and communicate that but uh yeah so that's that's uh something that recently came up is like oh like I need to like really get into Buddhism and like go all the way and and try to comprehend the wisdom of these these gurus and these ancient teachers because it's like it's a it's basically uh i i give i give the example of buddhism is like like the sign around a pool it's like there's no diving there's no running there's no eating in the pool and it's just like it's just a list of just like things to make your life less shitty and it's just like just follow just follow like the list it's not like like you don't have to follow some person or 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 give up a ton of stuff but it's just like allows you to just think and 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 have a little bit of uh structure to follow and you'll notice in your own experience that hey like life is like less it's less uh suffering going on over here but i do want to talk about see i had like two things at the same time but like <laughs> the i i want you both to like expand on that concept of of uh projecting into the future like your desires or, or what you want to see. Cause I remember vividly when I was 22, 23 or yeah, 22, 23, like I used to like make music and stuff. And one of the songs that I made, uh, at the end of it says like, be the person that you want to be right now. Don't wait. Like, mm-hmm. like you can do all the things that you want right now. And, and, and kind of, uh, create in real time, uh, the experiences you want to experience in, in this moment. And that's like a life envisioning, like concept that, that once we like experience it once you're like, Oh, it's kind of, I guess you call it manifesting, but, but what are your experiences with that kind of, uh, I guess, desire early on to look inside and be like, Hey, I want to experience something different. What else, like, what else is there for me? And let's just, go for it um i think some of the things that meditation has allowed me opened me up to was before i met margo you know my life i just felt like 
I was a singular person. I was disconnected. And I could only be responsible for, you know, my own actions. And I could see that a lot of people around us are at that stage where it's um, materialistic and their life is only 70, 80 years long if they can make it. So with those sorts of, if that's your mindset, you are more apt to do things that are good for you short term, short term, short term. And I always think about how does this system in America take care of old people? In Japan, they value old, older people and wisdom. But in America, what do we do? It's the coldest thing. You put them into a retirement home. You don't even let, get, let them stay at their own home and die peacefully. So a lot of what we do is, um, or for me, I'll just tell you one of my secrets. I'm, everything I'm doing is, the center of it is, is X. And X is the day I will die. The whole calculation of everything we're looking at is looking at it from the back end. What are the regrets you want to avoid when you're on your deathbed? What are the things that you wish you have done? And those are the things that will eat you up in this lifetime and perhaps in the next lifetime. So we tackle and we, me at least, um, look at life from point of death. And sometimes the problem with that is the present moment is not so important to me. And that affects my interpersonal relationships with mm. people. But the the thing with me is the people that have known me since I've been here, I haven't changed. Um, definitely moving forward. And people, they either like, you know, don't want to, they, they sometimes project their rejection of your ideas onto you. And because they can't do it, so they don't do it. But then they try to cut me down. And what I've found out is in the last five years of being in business is those negative negative people, those haters, they disappear. You know, mm. you have to face yourself. So you, I'm myself all the time, so I better be okay with my actions. Um. Yeah, so those are the themes of my life because we were talking about using hate and like how like to change that energy to a creative energy, mm -hmm. and so yeah, for sure. What about you, Margo? For me, I feel like I'm the opposite of Chan. I very much value being in the moment, and I don't think that we can get these moments back. But I do agree with him in the sense that uh, you only live one life, so you might as well make the best of it. Um, I guess one of my secrets is um, a few years ago, I had this discovery of um, like looking at myself as like, I'm a beautiful being, but I'm also like an awful being too. Like you could, if you could see the good and the bad within mm. you, mm. then you're able to conquer more for some reason like for example like um I work with a um I work with a ton of equipment so f uh, for example I have a juicer and uh I used to be doing this for five years I used to be really quick at cleaning the juicer um but now since there's so many other tasks I don't focus on the juicer but by telling myself hey you're really not good at cleaning the juicer that's okay like 
just accepting where I'm at. Like, oh, you know, I really, I really wanted to go to the park, but I didn't make it. And then instead of like putting that hate or frustration outwards on other people, you can talk to yourself in the sense of like, hey, it's okay. You, you, you're bad at this and that's totally all right. And maybe you'll work on getting better or maybe I'll work on getting better at cleaning the juicer. So I think accepting myself from where I'm at, um, has been like a really great tool to, to help me, um, recently. And that's kind of what the theme I've been working with. Um, but I, I live a pretty structure. I have a pretty good morning structure. Um, so that really helps me in interpersonal relationships. And also, um, I try to, I try to have uh, boundaries with like my cell phone and that really helps me with mental health and also practice with self too. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. I th- it's interesting. Cause I feel like both of the concepts that you, you both expressed, like, I feel like we're all like, even though like X is like, you're, you're like having it, having in your realm of awareness of where's X at and what are the things in my life uh, that I don't want to be regretting at that point, but then also being in the moment at the same time. Like, it's almost like uh, we we construct like the, the foundation of our future with both of those things like in mind. Like I feel like in the last like couple of years after experiencing or just like witnessing like like family passing away and, and like questioning like my own or not questioning like I have like my my own mortality and just like there's less uh pressure I feel like like the pressure of like oh it's got to be like this very moment like like or else I'm a failure like that kind of thing is kind of like gone by the wayside and it's like okay like how am I going to enjoy this journey and stacking all of these like blocks that are going to get a, give me a net gain like three years from now like this like this whole podcasting thing it's like it's not for like this immediate gratification thing that's like right now it's like it's like one because it's fun it's like and by the way everybody I have to say that like it's like five o'clock in the morning right now like we like we <laughs> like Margot like like we were talking about this for a little while and, and like it's pitch black, dark out. Like it was raining, like, like, yeah, it was pouring. It's like, this was very much like a, like, because we're passionate and we want to just do things that are maybe not like the ordinary or there's so many reasons to say no or reschedule things, Mm -hmm. but just knowing like what, what little thing can I do today or, how can I be less judgmental on just the awareness and catching ourselves? Those are like the little things that just build into an opening, which you're uh, expressing earlier, Margot, uh, with just, uh, I don't know if it was on the podcast or before the podcast, cause it's still like early in my <laughs> recollections off, but it's like, like three, you said it took like three years to uh, experience like, or to feel like your meditation working. So it's kind of like you have to have like this blind faith of like, oh, these are the modalities or these are the things that I've set in set in motion that were different from my past that are going to give me a net gain. I just have to like have faith that it's going to uh, unfold in a in a way that that is beneficial, you know. Mm-hmm. We um I've found out recently in psychology that humans we 
look at our life um, in a narrative form. We we need to tell ourselves a grand story in order to keep going. And this ties in with the Joseph Campbell's um, the heroic journey, that mm-hmm. narrative. And we're at a point um, because we've made certain sacrifices uh, away from the pack um, of safety where the people are. We we're geographically still on this plane, but mentally, I I tell people that we've traversed this ocean and we swam through it. Uh, this ocean could represent something, but we're on an island now. We we're on an island where there's other creative types. There are enough resources on this island. We make the food and for some reason on this island we also like serve we sell coconuts to other monkeys or something as they come here (laughs) we're like monkeys that like ended up on an island and we created a little juice stand selling juice to tourist monkeys or something (laughs) (laughs) and around us are just creative people that are Sometimes they're really nasty and mean, but it's in their spikes that it's they become so creative or like they have a vision. Um, so that's I'm on an island with a lot of really mean people, but also really lost, but also really friendly. And I get along with all of them. I I always get along with the troublemakers, the rule breakers, and believe it or not, I've traversed this this ocean that took like years from first discovering like wage slavery at like 22 realizing that I was that breaking out of college debt at 23 through hard work and like breaking losing my awareness and then reaching for bottom as soon as I could so I knew what was the bottom at 23 most Americans we don't get a chance to fail safely and people around me, I ask that they fail safely, take more risks, try new things. And, you know, you plant one seed now, it might not work. But if you plant a seed every day for three years, some of them are going to shoot up. And then if you're, keep, if you're patient with it, year five, year six, year seven, you know, it's uh, Fibonacci's rate sequence, uh, rate of growth. There's mm-hmm. a formula for biological change. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like over the last couple of years or few years, I've come into contact with that, and it's like, okay, what are the what are the things like, like, like a lot of it is just letting go of things too, like like since being sober and like letting go of alcohol, and then this last year, like like I don't care what anybody says, but watching football is a drug, like <laughs> the attention of spending an entire Saturday at a bar or at home just fixated on a bunch of like grown men running back and forth and like expressing themselves in the way that they do but it's just like you're just all day and it's just like oh like that's that's a whole entire day that was dedicated to worshiping this sport god okay like what what can i do like how can i fill it in like with more nutritious uh uh places to place my perception it's like in in those things it's exciting to decode what are the modalities and the things that they personally like enjoy 
and and create that and allow it to to turn into something okay so we've been we've been tiptoeing around uh <laughs> the reason uh or not the reason or one of the re many reasons why we're here but i want to talk about best friend and how how best friend came about and i guess we can talk about like how you two met and then how best friend came about well, I moved back home to live with my parents from 24 to 27. Uh, it's it's an it's a it's a process that more Americans will be open to soon. I I realize this. Um, I lived with them from 24 to 27, and a time where you have maximal freedom and you're supposed to fuck up. And I said, I'm not gonna fuck up. I'm gonna go home because the more freedom you have, the more mistakes you make. And I spent three years with my parents, figured out the root of all my issues. Um, and I, before I came out to Portland, I took a gamble and I said, this is a similar city size. It's somewhat diverse. And I kind of like the Pacific Northwest. We moved out here. I met Margo. I met Margo shortly after she, she spotted a shooting star, um, and she was like, let me grab onto that. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> yeah, um, looking back, people around me that I worked with said, yeah, you were really intense, and we, I could tell you were going somewhere. And it, it, it showed because in the months before coming here, I got fired from my job, and I took that time... After getting fired, I had to go up to Washington Heights to dog sit for my friend. He had a black dog. We were in a Puerto Rican neighborhood. There's a Chinese guy, like, walking a dog at 4 a.m. You know, there's music all, like, at 4 a.m. People are getting drunk. But for some reason, in the culture, they hate or are deathly afraid of black dogs. So, like, there's this Chinese guy up there in Harlem, and they're all avoiding me because I have this cute little um, retreat black retriever named Kate um, <laughs> and during that time like dog sitting it was me and a dog and I said I'm not in my home I'm in my friend's apartment figure it out Chan like what you have to face your demons right now you have a loving dog that's like eh, just walk me four or five times a day but like in that dark period and I looked at all the things that I, I was willingly hiding from myself, and I said, you're going to have the courage to look at all of these things because getting fired uh, sucks, and it's very painful. So that was when I started looking at financial independence, uh, early retirement, uh, wealth generation, wealth as a, it's not a zero-sum game, it's you can create it from offering value to people. So the amount of like cramming that I did in those 10 days brought me, I brought me here to Portland and I met Margot at a coffee shop. We worked our asses off. Um, I saved up 14K to get into the food cart game. And that took me about a year. Um, and also before I came, I asked God, I said, I will run as hard as you want me to run but you must protect me from the falling mentally or physically into these dark places. I don't want to go there again. Mm -hmm. And he blessed me with Margot, so my mental and my psychic was fine, and 
I kept running. I asked Margaret to join me in the business because she was a go-getter. And in the first two years, I, I just came to discover she was such a rich well-developed person that had so many things going on for her that I lacked like being kind to others Mm. (laughs) so (laughs) she rounded a lot of who I am out and I rounded a lot of aspects of her out um she's nice to people there's but I'm like cynical and mean so I I really like her sense of innocence and naivete but it's not dumb it's it's a willingness to be shocked from the mysteries of life and i think that takes a lot of courage to be nice and wow that was beautiful oh, wow <laughs> so i want to give margo's take on oh. on the origins of your relationship and how that culminated into best friend thanks chan Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I went, like Chan was saying, when, I'll keep it short. When we, when we first met, uh, we were working at Crema Coffee, which is right here in Portland, and I was the pastry chef, so I was in the back of the house. And then Chan started, and he was a barista, so he was in the front of the house. So we, we had um, different quarters, but all the baristas had to walk through the back of the house to get to their shift. And I just remember the first day seeing him like walking down. I was like, oh, man, I was like a tall, dude, tall Chinese dude from New York. She literally said, hey, puppy, come over here. <laughs> really? Puppy, come here. Let me see that. <laughs> really? That is hilarious. <laughs> I didn't say that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, I think I... It was really interesting because we were, oh, we, it was really interesting because we were at um, different points in our life. I, I was monogamous for most of my life, but I had just tried out being poly, and it really didn't work for me and kind of wrecked me. So I took, mm. a, and I, I took um, a couple years after my first big relationship to just kind of be alone. So that gave me a lot of time to process, figure out what I wanted to do in life. I came out here... Um, to Portland in 2012 with the idea of starting my own tea house. That was the first dream for me. I wanted to have a house where I would live at the bottom floor and then upstairs would be the tea house or vice versa. Um, So that was my intention. And around that time, I was open to starting to date again. And I had um, met Chan at work. And it was really fascinating because he was at a point in his life where he told me he stopped pursuing women and just wanted to be pursued and that was kind of the opposite for me I had um, always been pursued but then at this point I was like interested in pursuing men so I'd asked him out to a Flying Lotus concert and then we bonded over being fans of hip-hop and rap and um, the rest was history I think I texted him he had claimed to text me and I was like yo I didn't get your text and then I finally got the text the next date, and I was like, hey, it's Margo, the girl of your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that very vividly. I, I love that. I think you had a really good idea in there that society kind of pressures men in America to be the aggressor. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we're always faced with rejection. I'm, I'm okay with that, but if 
there's a weight on both sides because we've programmed men to be the pursuer. Um, like, I, th- I think what Margo went through was very courageous to be a wo- woman to say, you, I want you, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Flipping the script and it's worked out better, you know? Yeah, I feel like there would be a lot more happier women because mm-hmm. if women know what they want mm-hmm. and they see the guy... Yes. What's stopping a woman to say like, "Hey, I think you're cute. Like, would you want to go out sometime?" Like, yes. and they can get exactly what they want mm-hmm. instead of just kind of doing the the bash like batting their eyelashes and trying to get somebody to pursue them, but it's just like, "Hey, like if you see see the flavor you want, you better go get it because <laughs> like they may not like guys like we may not know what's good for us. If mm-hmm. you feel like you're the one, like say what's up you know <laughs> it's uh sometimes totally. you're the flower and other times you're the bee you mm. can play different roles from different points in your life yeah. and try that out i feel like i've totally. always kind of been like a flower and just like oh i'm just gonna like be over here and just be like light and pretty and stuff <laughs> but then there's a part of me that like as far as like assuming like my like like my masculinity and 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 uh being more alpha like i realize like that that brings uh, a lot of characteristics in me that I feel like I need to kind of assert myself in the world because I am uh, I am very in touch with just like my own sensitivities and and really self-reflective but then like I noticed like the last couple of days like I went on like a like a three-day fast and I realized it like charged me up into this like alpha like I was like like having physical hunger in my stomach made me more hungry with my goals and and with going to to seize opportunities and I was like okay like this is I need to tap into this as well so I'm learning how to hold space for both of those but yeah I haven't been approached by my my counterpart (laughs) so Chan you did mention that uh, you saved up the 14k to get into the food cart game uh, so yeah, let's go in ab- about that first food cart cause, or food cart, juice cart, um, location, uh, what did it like, what was it like opening up like, uh, uh, a cart in the city of carts and, and some of the, the struggles of, of starting a business from the ground up. Cause that's what a, a whole, a huge section of this is, is like talking to entrepreneurs and it's like, as myself, I'm trying to learn too. Cause I'm trying to like, how do I scale this into, mm-hmm. to, to different platforms and be able to support myself and create that, that, uh, generational wealth and stuff. So what are some of the things? Okay. Uh, I yeah. think I could go back to that time. Um, to that time I was grappling with a lot of things. There were external, uh, information, I was hanging out at uh, 28th and Ankeny. There's a food cart pod there. Um, and I saw who was doing well, who was getting by, what are the differences. Guerrero was there and they crushed it every day for three years. So I kind of saw that, oh, in the food cart game, if you can really get it down right, you jump out of that level in about three to four years. Mm. Um so I saw like, okay, you have to scale up because the other businesses where it's like, you know, either um, immigrant family or one individual running it, that there's a limit because one person can only do so much in seven days, 
you know, multiply that. So I knew whatever I was going to create, I needed to open myself up to other people. And I, I had Margo with me for the first year. We were open six, seven days. Um, well, before, sorry, I, I to cut you off, but before when we started, um, Chan, I was working um, two other jobs, and Chan was working at his coffee shop job for um, at least two years uh, when we were starting too. So we both had other jobs. Oh yeah, thanks for time. reminding me. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so that's at, what you want to say? Yeah, when we first started, it was so he so picture him working, you know, um, six a.m. to two p.m. and then after that, he had to sit down and work on the business plan, and so he was he was really keeping busy during that time. Before even putting in the fourteen k, whenever uh, you're at a point where you have to make a large decision like that, really think it over. And I talked to a lot of business creator artists. You, most of what will happen comes from this time where you're conceptualizing what will happen. Um, so you have to set certain boundaries in terms of time, energy, um, expectations, strategies. It's a lot of business owners that I meet, they go in with optimism and they roll the dice and it's like uh, it doesn't work out and they can't shift because they're not fluid. Um, but with me, one thing was firm that I was not going to give up. Um, the business is called Best Friend because as someone who's really nasty and can't keep friends, um, I've lost all of mine throughout my life. And um, it's I am doing this, and this place is called Best Friend because I want my friends to come back and find me one day. We're in a We're in an age where technology... We connect everyone, but you don't get to see your best friend if they're across the state. They're, but if they were really tight, they would come out here, you know, or they hear about me, um, but they would come out. But So it's called best friend because I, my goal is that high that I want all of my best friends to bump into me. And it stemmed from that saying, like, if you sit at Central Park all day I, for the rest of your life, everyone you've known in your life will come through your path mm. and so I needed to set a journey where the it was going to last me a hundred years and it needed to pull me out of my ex, you know singular existence so best friend is the space between people and some people interpret it as you're your own best friend your health is your own best friend um, best friend has a little bit of nostalgia there's a little bit of feeling of loss there's a feeling of wanting to connect so by calling it that it's it's the space in between and that's not what we westerners are good at thinking about easterners are um good at thinking about relational thinking the space in between mm. whereas uh, you know western thinking is categorical um you know top five rappers alive top five food to eat buzz like thrillists and lists everything is lists it's like they can't get into theory sure um so we did that and for the first three years we were sucking let me tell you guys we sucked we sucked me and margo just sucked so bad but i savored the times where you suck. Seriously, savor the times when you suck. What was the part that you sucked at? Like, was it was it just everything? Like, running the business? Like, pressing the juices? Was it 
a culmination of everything? Like, what are some of the things that stood out as as not uh, up to par upon reflection? Tell me what we suck at, Margot. <laughs> I think the hardest part was opening a food truck in the heart of winter. Mm. Like, that was really hard because we you know, chance introverted, I'm extroverted. And we were really putting ourselves out there every day. We were opening up at like 7am in the winter for something that, you know, you wouldn't even know would work, but with the mentality, like, Hey, I'm not going to give up. So, you know, we would have on division street, maybe a hundred people that walk by maybe less every day. And all we were doing was just waving, 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 hello, hello. You know? Mm. So it was just, um, it was really, um, you put, we put out a lot of energy to, to not get so much in return in uh-huh. that instant gratification, like, uh, during that time. Mm-hmm. So it was hard, hard for me, um, at that time to really think about the long-term Chan was good at like long-term thinking, but I being in this society, um, was just fascinated on like the short-term goals or short-term thinking, instant gratification, um, Things that we sucked at, we, I had customer service, but I had, I was mainly in the back of the house. So that was, um, you know, it was me introducing myself to a whole new set of skills, um, on how to communicate with people, how to serve people. Um, and then honestly, food carts are underrated. So food carts, some, some of us have a bad rep. People don't trust food carts or maybe at that time, five years ago, people were interested in going somewhere, especially in the winter and sitting down somewhere cozy. Um, so food carts were our, since we were so new, people were really, um, hesitant to come through and that puts a damper on um your um uh willingness like if if you give and give and give and you don't receive anything it's like how long can you push forward um but after five years now upon opening the cafe we really are um reaping everything that we've sown Mm -hmm. so Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see the turnaround, and then people that come through will be like, "Oh yeah, you have your little food truck, don't yeah. you?" Yeah. So yeah. it's it's working now after committing um, five years. We we also sucked at working together, Chan and I. Sure. We were not good at working together at to, in the in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, we would fight um, on the theme of fighting. Um, another one of my secrets is it. By knowing that I can't fail or I must not fail with first employee just came in. It's it's uh, almost seven o'clock a.m. Sorry to cut you off. Hey, yeah, this is a business. Um, that me and Margo like. Okay, for fellas out there or anyone that wants to get into a business with their love partner or romantic partner, um, it's some people advise against it. I advise for it. Because I've seen a lot of relationships where the two parties don't aren't fully open. You know, the husband come home and say, "Oh, work was like this," and the wife says, "Oh, the school was like this with Tommy." And and we exist in these realms where it's like, "Oh, you don't, you can't sympathize with how much my area of expertise, like how much I didn't enjoy it." And like, but with with the way we are, we have to communicate 
everything and we're both responsible for everything so there's no place we can run to and say you don't understand Mm. we have fought in this space we have fought in the food truck we have cried we have broke down walls of like you know when it's yeah Yeah, walls of self you know and um given up aspects of self and self in order to compromise Mm -hmm. um and but if you truly if you have the goal and the goal the goal is the thing that's going to pull you out of yourself and what you say you are it's going to be uncomfortable but in order to achieve whatever goal you set that thing has to be so great that it gets you out of your the things that we naturally humans like addictive personalities or laziness there there's a reason why there's the eight sins those are natural things imbalances in humans and throw in cognitive bias we're so damn flawed that like if you don't have a singular goal you'll never achieve that thing but having that singular goal you will achieve that thing but you will unfortunately sacrifice a lot of other things um along the way yeah margo where did when did you start to see like the the business change or like when the food cart started to gain momentum were there any signifying factors that like let you know that like hey like we we have something here in in that journey into opening your first brick and mortar yeah i think having just faith in self and like chan was saying faith in a goal um i think that's what a lot of people um lack in America like we people think faith has to be religious but Mm. um, I think it's having trust in like the universe's plans for you and also just trusting in self Um, I would say after maybe the third summer we started to see because that's like the make it or break it point right so it's like after the third summer, we started to see some momentum and that people were actually accepting us in the community. And Mm. that was a really great turning point. Um, And then around four years in, we saw uh, how summer treated us and we saw how many people were attracted to, to Best Friend and attracted to work at Best Friend too. So that gave us more faith that the business could potentially work on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... Around this time last year, maybe a little bit earlier. Don't forget to tell them that we went to the East Coast uh, and yeah. um, combined our families' al- alliance, um, the Chinese in New York and the Jews in Florida. We made a pact that you know we're gonna we're gonna support. Oh, wait, like us. like a both like a family <laughs> pact. Like, yeah, yeah. Oy vey, right? Oy vey. What? Oy vey. Wait, what, what? What went into that? <laughs> oh, <it's, laughs> it was just a symbolic gesture where we went to New York and I got my parents' approval. I'm like, Mom, yeah. this is the woman, you know, that I'm gonna be with. And then we went all the way down to Florida to do the same, um, where Margot said, Mom, this is the woman I'm gonna be. With. <laughs> 
no. Um, no, we travel. We get a lot of inspiration from going back east, and so that kind of helps us get into a good headspace. Being from the east coast, we're so far away from our home. So say hi to all our friends over there. <laughs> two thousand, I think, two thousand seventeen. We decided to take a trip via Greyhound from New York all the way down to Florida. Sounds like Chan's idea. Yeah, yeah. It's not worth being cheap. It's not worth being that cheap. <laughs> wow. And, um, you know, that brought a lot of stuff out. We got stuck in a snowstorm in Savannah, Georgia for the first time since it snowed since 1989. So all these, like, things that have, you know, trying us throughout our whole relationship had only made even more sense. Um, she was starving because there wasn't anything vegan there for her. <laughs> yeah, I ended up having to wait in line at like a sushi restaurant for two hours in a snowstorm. <laughs> it was it was pretty crazy over there. In and Savannah. then we ended up in Cuba because that was the mission for us to see. Because you don't see capitalism, you don't see what exists around you until you see the opposite or absence mm-hmm. of. So we wanted to go check out a communist country. Mm-hmm. And looking back, it was really great because... It was beautiful. You know, I don't know what you know about down there, but a doctor makes the same amount as a taxi driver. Mm. Um so there's no incentive. So we had to kind of see like how blessed we are to be mm-hmm. in a place where we can pull things out from our imagination, fun- process it internally. Mm-hmm. Does it resonate with us? And then we get to create it. Yeah. So that's not a thing that exists in Cuba, I don't think. Like. Yeah, it's it's beautiful and also just like crumbling to pieces. So it was really good to see that. And I think any sort of travel really helps us kind of get a better sense of self mm-hmm. and awareness. Um, and being from New York, Florida, we grew up with... Um, a huge community, uh, super diverse high schools, colleges. We're able to see all different aspects of, of, uh, and different walks of life. Um, so yeah, I think putting in that time and being able to take off the first couple winters to gain perspective was worth more than sure. anything could. So you bring feel us. like that that like shift in perspective and just uh, having some gratitude and like for the journey, like gave you kind of like what you needed to to scale the business. Cause it was like, okay, like having that perspective kind of like let you know, like, oh, like we were coming from the right place. It's kind of like a validation. It's like you're going yeah. around the world and you're seeing, like you're experiencing all these things. A lot of the, going to the East Coast is like really like symbolic and ritual. It's almost like a ritual, like going, being trapped in the snowstorm in Savannah. And, and those are like the, attaching the level of significance uh, allows us to really, really be intimate with the contents of our lives, with our jobs, with the people in our lives. If we attach that significance to it and and assume the role of our hero's journey that each of us have the opportunity to do. So I guess I, I feel like that, culmination like give you gave you the wisdom to know like oh it's time to to step up to the next level and the next level is where we're sitting at right now best friend yeah very brick well, and mortar very well said Aaron. on the on the flight back um there was a quote by um 
think Michelangelo or Da Vinci, where he says, you don't see the disproportionate um, you don't see how your work is disproportionate. Like the ratios aren't looking right yeah. until you step really far away. We had to step so far away in Cuba and then to design. I had to be down there to design the menu. Mm-hmm. And when I took that time to design the cohesive menu in Havana, I that was three years of me saying, what does the customer see? What do they want more of? What should I put in here? What are we willing to do? What are, what does the space allow us? Um, so it, the menu went through so many different filters. We're filtering this thing until like what is the best thing, and then we got to our menu. And when we finally created our menu, I think our business doubled that year because mm-hmm. people, I always knew it. People don't like handwritten chalkboard. Like they liked some sort of cohesiveness. And um, and then year four, I think in the winter, I realized like, hey, in Portland, there's a limit to how much um, food cards do because if the weather's crummy, people aren't going to come out. And you could affect that a little bit with delivery. You could affect that with like you know, anything new. You can make compromises, but you can't really change people's behavior and come out and come see you. So we, I just realized like, hey, if I'm doing this again in the fifth year, it's gonna be the same. Like, if you don't, if I don't take a risk right now and create something more stable, more secure come next winter, it's like, we're just doing this like for the first three, four years again. And our life was, was not gonna jump to the next level. Mm-hmm. And so, Last winter, we started saving up and planning for this. What is the location, just for everybody that's, that's listening yeah, so right now? Yeah, so we are in Portland. Uh, we're in southeast Portland, Oregon. We are in the Creston-Kenilworth neighborhood. And we are sitting in Best Friend Cafe. It's a corner spot located on 28th Place and Gladstone Street. Wonderful. Yeah, this is like this location is so prime too. like how it just like opens up. It's kind of just like it's like it's welcoming. It's like it's on the corner. It's basically like the art like your arms are open, like ready to like receive a hug as like a brick and mortar. But uh, yeah, but during these times, it's like, what is it like to open up this brand new space that you put so much time, energy, like money into and like being so particular to to get every single detail right and then it's like the world shuts down like in between it all and it's like what what have you learned uh from the ever-changing circumstances in which i feel like you have practices that enable you to have a perspective of gratitude and and just not being attached to any of these these ever-changing circumstances That's a great question. Um, When we first planned um, the layout, Chan designed the space, we had a a little, um, we touched as much, we got our hands dirty as much as possible. Uh, So that's um, the space that you see. I painted all the chairs. We wanted to bring an East Coast vibe of uh, bright colors like beachy feel Mm -hmm. and we wanted to create just a place of positivity where people like you said can come enjoy the space um, and uh, keep it open uh, 
we like to stand out. We're definitely the black sheep of our family. So we like to provide that unique and close, intimate um, experience for folks. Um, this whole time has really been a great learning experience for both of us. We couldn't have planned opening, you know, at a better time. And uh, she we said opened- that. We opened in COVID, and she said we could not open at a better time. Because if we if we didn't have um, this cafe like during this time, I don't know like how we would have turned out just running a food truck, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I am really grateful that we decided to move forward with moving into a brick and mortar. Um, we've had to shift a lot of our um, a lot of our perception and. Um, I think being, like you said, just being open and being grateful for anybody that walks through our doors. We treat each other, we treat each other, our staff and um, our customers the same, all with respect, like we would for ourselves. So uh, it's been a really great learning experience with staying calm and also um, just kind of seeing what people do in these chaotic times, how mm. they nourish themselves and how they utilize our space. And mm. I think that brings me the most joy is sending um, sending a drink carrier full of great juices and, and wellness shots to people so they can enjoy Best Friend in the comfort of their own home. Mm-hmm. So luckily we were set up on the delivery tablets, so that's been helping us out a lot. Um, but the most... The, the main response we get from customers, you know, like, when did you open? And I tell them, they're like, oh, couldn't have been worse timing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, it's yeah. all about your perspective. Yeah, well, it's like they're playing hot potato with their anxiety. It's like, here, yes. have it. And it's like people always want you to, like, take it, but you just let it drop on the ground. You're like, I ain't taking it. I'm not carrying that. Like, somebody, like, before the election, like, I was walking with a friend and this like uh, like older woman like stopped and like they were neighbors or whatever and like this older woman like looked at me and was like are you scared aren't you scared and i looked at her i was like no like what do i have to be scared of like i'm i'm not afraid right now i'm not going to take this on and and have this have this emotion like pulse through my body this fear this anxiety it's like no it's 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 i have the de- the decision whether or not to to take it on or not but i feel like like with this with this store it's like you kind of get thrust into action for like your calling it's like like these juices heal people and it's like in the time where everyone's immune or at least there's more attention on the immune system and the comp like being compromised it's like oh what are the things that heal us it's like oh raw organic juices so like yeah go in on 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 that reality of like oh like all of this is happening, but it's like the products that you're selling are life affirmative types of things. And I feel like that can be a motivation uh, to show up every day and know that you're doing good. Yeah, that's that's very well said. It is, I think, again, about the perspective, too, because uh, people like, you know, will treat juice as like, oh, I'm just being healthy for this one moment, you know, and then. I mean, a lot of our society and culture is built on, like, even going back to dating, you know, like, when you go on a date with someone, hey, let's meet at a bar, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll meet you at a bar, and it's like, well, what if I want to meet at a tea shop or a juice bar, and in our society, 
people are put down for making good and healthy choices. If you decide, like you said, to quit drinking, um, like for me too, I've been um, sober from alcohol for about five years. I lost a lot of friends and people just didn't understand um, why I made that choice. Why are you being healthy? You know, you only live once. So it's like, do you want to live longer or do you want to live um for a shorter period of time with like unhealthy organs or whatever it may be for self. Um, but people really enjoy um, drinking good greens, good juice. It's really hard to push that as a product. Even I think during this time, a struggle I'll admit that I have is with social media, like just blasting people like, hey, you need this. This is what you mm-hmm. want for your body. But I don't want to be responsible for telling anybody how to live I just can only um, be there as a good advocate for um, boosting one's health. Mm -hmm. So we have a menu. We try to encourage people, hey, stock up. Um, We don't do cold press. We do um, fresh pressed. So we believe after juice sits for over an hour, um, the nutrients end up dying. So that's why we prefer the fresh pressed. Um, But Yeah, we offer so much stuff for people to be able to um, utilize, drink right on the spot, or take home and enjoy uh, later on, like the snacks Mm -hmm, aspect. mm -hmm. But it's it's definitely been an interesting time because uh, I like to promote, and I think face to being face to face with the customer is way more effective than having like that online presence, even though it does help. but I am a huge advocate for helping people boost their immunity rather than, you know, staying indoors right now. It's really good. I know when I saw you the other day, you were out on a walk and Mm -hmm. I'd love to promote that for folks too, is just getting out there. Most of our, um, regulars are people that leave the house to walk the dog or just come by for a treat for self. And I think that's the best thing that we can do right now is really treat ourselves and treat our bodies right. Um, we, it could be even as something as simple as home at home preparing a cup of tea or drinking lemon water in the morning just certain aspects i wish i could share with everybody um, but yeah the platform is the platform it can only help so much yeah yeah i i feel like this is like a very like cut and dry like proactive uh way for health it's just like oh like these juices like like nutritious like for the gut for the heart for Mm -hmm. the lungs for like for the blood like it's very like uh cut and dry but it's like it's not like the most obvious type of thing um rather than like reactionary type of type of modalities which i see (coughs) vaccine (laughs) like but just like (laughs) but just there's so many things that we can do that we uh that are all around us. There's tons of solutions around us that we can start taking accountability for our own health and our own, in the power of our own decisions and our own choices. And, and Chan, would you like to expand upon that concept? Um, I think the, for me, the fruits or the juices and the coffee is, that's not what we really sell. I think we sell connection. That's Mm -hmm. what we really sell. Mm -hmm. We, um, the food products, someone comes in for coffee, we do oatmeal, like, I know it's deemed healthy, but that's never what I'm envisioning that I, um, sell to people. It's every, every time someone comes in, it's what are they really asking for? And we mm. play this game 
like what is it that this person needs and it forces us to pay attention and listen and give them something and if it's just the juice great but and that's an exchange i'm okay with but the really meaningful exchange in my opinion are like deeper things if you can say a couple words that can prevent this person you're talking to from killing themselves or falling further into depression or like every interaction I could bring so much more life to everything around me and to be the nucleus of life and resonate outward rather than be a passive consumer that this country makes you to be helpless, vulnerable. We are going forward by writing our own narrative and it's Mm -hmm. one of the ways to prevent us from this neurological attack on our psyche right now. Yeah. And speaking on like, this like growth and expansion i did try the the all the snacks you gave me so i want to talk about the expansion of this passion project from your relationship to 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 juice cart to brick and mortar (laughs) but then another expression of of uh your mission is mar galaxy and what is mar galaxy mar galaxy is a superfood snack company so uh, I wanted to create uh, healthy snacks healthy food uh, that prevent people from getting hangry Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like being a busybody myself I worked in so many bakeries and a lot of kitchens where I would start my shift at 4 a.m. and I wouldn't take a break until about 1 or 2 p.m. when I was off. I didn't eat anything for most of the day, and if I did, it would happen to be like a donut or leftover piece or something. That was not good for me. So with Mar Galaxy, it's my way of giving back to everybody that just wants to eat on the go. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really important to keep yourself nourished when we get hangry we get into bad head spaces and make bad decisions or um, take out frustration or anger on other folks like you said hot potato um, so the snacks are just designed to help people uh, nourish themselves when they need a little pick me up and there's no added sugar it's all free of cane sugar packed with superfoods it's got the chia seeds um, that boost omegas it's got the flax meal which is really good for help eating digestion so i like to sneak that in there Mm -hmm. and uh, the cacao powder which is really good at raising levels of serotonin making us more happy a lot of the stuff on the market is just in boxes and if it's on the shelf it most likely has preservatives in them so i see as i see it as when you go grocery shopping try to shop in the most fresh fruit and veggies aisle because if the box items have preservatives then that most likely will you'll get the preservatives into your body as well Mm -hmm. Um, it's designed to stay on shelves for longer so who knows how it sits in in your body so snacks are just a really fun and nostalgic way to eat something I wanted to get um, creative with the shapes of the products and also um, it's food that everybody can eat old Mm -hmm. elderly folks um, regular people people with dietary issues people that are sick and also kids yeah so that was my intention and um, yeah just making it accessible for folks is is my intention as well hell yeah my like I I broke my fast with the granola and oh my gosh like the granola is so good 
like it's so 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 good like that's that's like for like for me just like envisioning like oh like that's like the one that you like sell to like trader joe's and they give you a boatload of money and stuff and <laughs> like literally it's so it's it's amazing but like on mark galaxy and seeing it blossom as its own expression based off of the the foundation that you've set with best friend already it's it's just great to have examples for people that are like starting from the ground up and there's a way and it's about sharing your story to to like illuminate like that process for other people because there's plenty of people that have the idea about things about whatever thing that they're doing but i think a lot of the times like the 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 story in their head takes precedent over the actual articulation of the story it's like no no no. like you can come in here and like chan and margo will like tell you like like what they did to do it if you're interested in in doing that and i think i think that needs to be more of a a thing because people feel like we have to do everything on our own mm -hmm. and and they're I don't think anybody's willing to take like the necessary steps as far as like the self-reflection to know your why and to to dig deep in in from a place of like unhappiness okay how do i find stillness how do i find contentment within myself and then following those natural processes of okay like you built built the cart built the brick and mortar but then to see other things that are in line with you that doesn't have to be just the one space but it's still it's still like connected to it but it's a completely different different thing so it's it's always great to and i'm grateful to have like that example that you guys set and and i know this podcast like we kind of hop around but it's like this this conversation can literally go for like <laughs> 12 hours because it's like i want to like dive deeper into like buddhism and in personal practice and when you guys dropped off dropped off the mark galaxy snacks uh with me a couple of days ago it's like we talked for like 30 minutes but it was mm -hmm. like the most potent just like like direct injection of consciousness <laughs> that i've that i've had in a long time um <laughs> but yeah like are the i you do have a business to open so i'm trying to be mindful trying to be mindful of just that. to correct you mar galaxy was actually created before best friend really in the beginning um bow, bow, bow. in the beginning i asked i told margo i said um i think you were you got laid off from back to eden or something I she was, was crying going to work at 3 a.m <laughs> it's not worth it yeah he helped me get out of that it, i was riding my bike at 3 30 a.m to meet my shift every morning Oof. and back to eden and would work until like 1 p.m without a break and so um he chan was like adamant he's like don't worry babe like i'll save you i'll help you get out of this and that was like you know just gold for me to hear someone uh encouraging me and like encouraging my abilities and knowing that like i have potential to get out of a job where I was really unhappy at um but I he, actually I think I told you no matter I said do whatever you need to do like I asked her if there's one food product you don't mind making for the rest of your life what would it be and she said it was the moon bar um I knew that was a short-term answer but I'm like okay that's fine and I said babe like I will pay for all your expenses I was working at crema making a good amount of money but i i worked there brought money back helped pay for margo's lifestyle helped pay for mar galaxy helped pay for the material and it's 
it's it's something I'm so proud of doing um, to just get her to this point now where she's still making stuff. Like I personally don't have the skill or patience or kindness to make the stuff she makes, but I have the willingness to give, uh, you know, support her in her endeavors. And that's, and I'm super proud of her. More people look up to her and more people think she owns best friend and I'm totally <laughs> okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. Like we're in an age where business owners have to be nice and cool and approachable. Uh, yeah. The, I'm the surly, nasty person. Just keep me in the back. <laughs> best dishwasher in town. Yeah. Best dishwasher in town. <laughs> Number one. Number one prep cook. Yeah. The, the synchronicity of Mar Galaxy and Best Friend does really go hand in hand. And that's, I know, I think being patient is, is my best attribute right now because it's, you can't force people to eat healthy. Sure. And hopefully this time will help awaken people to choose health rather mm-hmm. than put their health into someone else's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when, you, when you're committed to something that's not, predicated on the participation of others like obviously like running a business it but pushing health and and wellness and uh sharing your passions to heal others and and express yourself authentically like that's not dependent on somebody else like receiving it like at some point it is and that's like there's capitalism and all that kind of stuff but it's like even with like meditation it's like i'm gonna keep showing up like it's whatever like whenever you whatever it clicks for you to show up and show up for yourself and participate with me because I can help you like guide you to your own practice then that's the place where where we'll meet but it's like I, I already know there's like plenty of people that like I'm visible to but it's like they're not coming around for like another three or four years and I'm cool with it because like I'm I'm gonna be here regardless I need to find the people that are ready right now mm-hmm. and instead of like latching myself to the approval of the people that are I have proximity with but just aren't ready yet or mm-hmm. haven't experienced that deep trauma that ushers ushers them to the front door of the yes. dharma but Totally. Yeah. I can relate. And I know Chan can too, because we have people that in the past, it's it's like you have to be ready. You have to really want and desire that. Yeah. Or, you know, want it to want to make that change. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is amazing. Thank you so much for, for having me here. And Thank uh, you. Yeah. Where can people find you both on the interwebs? Um, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, we're at Best Friend PDX and at Mar Galaxy Snacks. And you can always come find us in person at the cafe. Um, Chan, he runs a business consultation classes, so you can email him. Uh, my Instagram handle is at Wong Chan Wei, W-O-N-G-C-H-A-N-W-A-I. And this January, starting the new year, I'm going further deep, deeper into this, this same thing we've been doing, which is expanding awareness. And I'm doing a workshop helping artists and food creators um, like myself and Margo, who have been on this journey, to um, fully do it on their own, yeah. fully live their dream. Mm. I might have to check in on that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please come. Please do. Awesome. Well, thank you, Margot. Thank you, Chan. And thank you all for listening to Opening Presents. Mm-hmm.